sorry to break up the lively conversations. We come now to uh, word, uh, the time of reading God's Word. And uh, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Please open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And now let me pray before we start. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us your word. We can know you and learn about you through this. And we pray now for, for our hearts to be softened and um, give us attentive minds and focused um, attention. Shield us from distractions and give us a teachable spirit as we come to your word. I also pray, Father, for the pastor that you would anoint his lips to teach us truthfully, faithfully from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from ourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God. Good morning, friends, on this chilly morning. Thank you for joining us for our Baptism Sunday. And a warm welcome to you, especially if it's your first time here at CPE Church um, if you're a friend or family member of one of the baptism, I don't know what to call them, baptism candidates, baptizees, um, thanks for coming along and joining us today. This might be the first time you're in here, um, walking into a church, um, and I hope you just have a really encouraging time with us today as we um, yeah, celebrate this baptism together. Um, so as, as we do that, um, you, know, you might be here, you might never have seen a baptism before, you might not um, call yourself a Christian, um, that's fine. Well, I'm sure you've got a question that you're wondering, what is this whole baptism thing about? What, what's this weird thing where on a winter morning you would voluntarily go into this water? Why on earth would you do that? What, what's so important about baptism? And it's a good question to ask, because even for Christians, I think there's a few misunderstandings in this area. Unfortunately, there's been some superstitious beliefs that are formed about baptism, um, some beliefs include that baptism is sort of the, the second level of, uh, of Christian faith, that when you get baptiz- baptized, you come out and you're like powered up, something like Super Saiyan baptism mode. That's a Dragon Ball Z reference, if you don't know that. I'm a bit of a nerd that way. That's not what baptism is, okay? 
Um, other, other beliefs that are um, a bit misplaced are that baptism is, some way, is somehow something that guarantees your entry into heaven. Uh, so that uh, sometimes fuels people's beliefs to really want to get their babies baptised as soon as possible. Uh, that, that baptism itself, that's how you get to heaven, but that's not actually what it's all about. This is what baptism is. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward rea- reality. Yeah? It's an outward sign of the inward reality. But what we have to ask is, what is that reality that we're talking about? What is the inward reality that these three brothers and sisters today are proclaiming? Well, that's what we'll talk about from the passage we heard today. And our starting place, as we get into this passage, it sounds, it sounds a little bit odd, because our first point is this. We are all dead. We are all dead. What's going on here? Well, let me give you a bit of context um, as we look at the Bible. Uh, this letter... Uh, Ephesians is an ancient letter, actually, written by an early church missionary, church planner called uh, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, okay? So you can see it up on the map there, Ephesus, and he's writing this letter to this church, uh, so they're Christians, and he's saying this to them, so the passage will come up on the screen. Ephesians 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He's talking to this church and he's telling them something. Before you were Christian, you were dead. For all of us, before becoming a Christian, we are all dead. You might be thinking to yourself, this sounds a bit odd. I'm not a Christian. I'm definitely alive. I'm not dead. You know, I'm absolutely fine. That's what you might be thinking right now. But what God is saying to us through the Bible here is that while you might be physically alive, you can still be spiritually dead. Physically alive but spiritually dead. And this is a state that we were all once in, myself included. Being spiritually dead comes because we reject God. We reject God. This is what sin is. You might have heard that word before in church circles, sin. Even though God made us and loves us, we live in a way where we either completely ignore him on one hand, or we acknowledge that he wants us to live a certain way, but we just don't want to do that, so we decide to do otherwise. We just don't want to do it. I've got five kids, um, and I just think sometimes, you know, imagine if one of my kids one day came up to me, uh, one of my boys, I'll I'll pick one, uh, Jordan, yeah? Not because he's particularly prone to this, but (laughs) but imagine if he came up to me, and after I've poured my entire life into caring for him and loving for him and providing for him, he comes up to me and he spits in my face and he says to me, Dad, get out of my life. I don't need you anymore. And he walks out of the home. What incredible sadness I would feel as a father, but also how dishonoured and offended would I rightfully be that my child has treated me like that. But that's what we do to God. We tell him, get out of our life, God. We don't need you. Even though you've made us, you've given us all these things, like, I don't need you. Stay out of it. And you know what? That's exactly what happens. The thing is, though, when your relationship with God is cut off, when he leaves us and he says, okay, that's what you've decided, when you're cut off from the source of life, the creator, the life giver, Well, when you're cut off from the life giver, you die. So while we seem to be living, even feeling very alive, spiritually, apart from God, we are dead. Friends, have you ever had a bunch of beautiful flowers in your home? Um, 
you know, lovely flowers. Uh, I know the thing about, you know, the thing about flowers is that they, they don't last, do they? Which is why most of the men in this room are like, they're just a waste of money. Why are we, why are we buying them? Yeah? Flowers, they look vibrant. They look alive. They look lovely. But in a few days, you know that they will be withered away and they will die because they, you know what? They're cut off from the source of life. There's an appearance of life, but really they are dead. In the same way, that is us apart from God. We look alive, we feel alive, but we aren't really alive apart from God. We're dead spiritually, and that means physically as well. Death is waiting around the corner. There's not many sure things in life, but I'll give you one of them. Uh, 100% of you will die. Spiritual death leads to physical death, and after that comes eternal death. And here's the thing, friends. Death always wins. We can't beat death. But I've got good news for you. Because someone has. And our next point is this. We can be alive. Let me read to you from verse 4 of of this passage. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Here's the thing. Even though we tell God, get out of our lives, He doesn't just abandon us with no hope. He, just, he pursues us because He loves us. He loves us so much that He sends His only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save us from the spiritual death that we are in. And Jesus, He sacrifices Himself for us to forgive every wrong, every sin, every guilt, Every shame, every burden we carry is wiped away. He forgives us and he brings us back to God. There is nothing quite as sweet as a broken relationship reconciled. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've experienced that in your own life. And this is what Jesus gives us. We can be reconciled back to the Father. We can come back into relationship with him. What a lovely gift. And this means we can have life again, because once again we're connected back to the life giver. This is the love of God, friends. This is what we're on about as a church, proclaiming how much God loves us, that he would reach out and make a way for our relation to be healed, even when we were saying to him, get out of our life. We don't need you. And Jesus doesn't only die He rises again. He resurrects from the grave. And when he does that, he's declaring this. Death no longer wins. I do. And I give life to all who will come to me. We can have new life right now. And this new life is one that extends into eternity, into heaven. I don't know if you've ever felt like this in life. You might, you know... You're striving away, you're working, you're studying, you're you know, living life with family. There's, and you feel like there should be more to life. I don't know if you've ever had that sneaking suspicion. Like, that you're never truly satisfied, even when things are going really well. You and I both know something, that it doesn't matter how good life is. Our experience of this life is far from perfect. There's something missing, something deep down. Let me tell you, I'll tell you why you feel like that. It's because this is not the life you were made for. You were made for something much, much more. You were made for a relationship with God. 
true life is relationship with God. True life is to be part of a world which we will enter in the future if we're with him, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more grief, where joy and satisfaction and celebration awaits. Doesn't that sound good? This is the promise that Jesus gives us, a heavenly home, new life to come. The fullness of this is waiting in the future, friends. But we get a little taste of this right now. We get new life. If you're a friend or a family member of one of the baptism candidates, baptizees today, you probably might have noticed that something different as this person has come to really put their trust in Jesus Christ. Because you know what happens at that moment? Their old spiritual dead life, well, that dies. Their old life dies. That's what the submersion into the water during baptism means. It's dying to the old self. But there's another step, because we don't just leave them in the water, friends. Okay? We bring them back out. What's that symbolize? That symbolizes a new life, a new birth, a transformation to live for God rather than reject Him. That's what coming out of the water symbolizes. This is a resurrection to new life. Baptism is a declaration of the amazing reality that, begins in, that happens in every, every Christian. The old self dies, and there's a new person. It's a miracle. It truly is. But we haven't even gone into the best bit yet. And this is our final point. This is a gift. Verse 8 of the passage comes up on, is, is on the screen. Have a look at it with me. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We're so used to earning things, aren't we? That's so much of our life. For achieving things. You work harder, you get rewarded. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Work, work, work. Try harder, put in the effort. Then you get stuff. We live based on merit. Even as you were sharing before about your best gift, I don't know what you guys shared, but oftentimes there's an occasion for that too. It's almost like because we were born, we earned the right to get a present or something like that. It rarely is a gift, a free thing given to us. But here's the thing about eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. It needs to be a gift. Maybe you are a good person, but we all know if we're honest that we aren't that good. Um, imagine if I said this to you. If, imagine if I said, right now I've got a YouTube clip of your entire life. Everything you've ever thought and everything you've ever done when no one's even looking. And I'm going to put it up here and show the entire church today. I wonder, how would you feel? If it was me, I'll do anything possible to stop that being shown. Because we all know that deep down we're not that good and we can never be good enough by ourselves to get into heaven, which is why we need this thing called grace. The word grace means an undeserved gift. Let me ask you, what did you do to deserve a second chance with God? What did we do that while we were telling God to get out of our lives, he would sacrifice his only son to save us? What good things did we do that God would favour us in this way? I'll tell you what, nothing. Nothing. It's a gift. It's undeserved. And that's absolutely outrageous. Outrageous. Um, Let me tell you a a news story that I read. Um, One day last year, a lady um, walked into a Mr. Toy's toy world at Burley's Waters just before Christmas. And do you know what she did? 
She walked in that store and she paid the outstanding balance of more than 80 laybys, okay? $16,000 worth of outstanding payments. Just walked in and paid them all off. This was money that people owed to the shop. One of the employees, Maddie Gillespie, said she had never witnessed such an act of generosity. Uh, She said, we were all speechless, absolutely speechless. It was a crazy moment. Another employee, Rachel Thompson, said that she had to console parents who were so overcome with emotions when they were informed about the stranger's kindness that they were just weeping, they were crying. (laughs) Now, let me ask you, what did the people do to deserve such a gift? Let me tell you, nothing. (laughs) This lady did not give this gift based on the moral report cards of everyone who owed money. She just gave it freely, out of kindness and love. And friends, this is what God does for us. But he gives us even more. Friends, God pays our debts for us. He wipes our slate clean. And he gives us Jesus. He gives us new life. And our brothers and sisters today, they're declaring their faith in Jesus Christ, in this public declaration, in this baptism today, which is so encouraging. But I don't think they'll mind me saying this. I, I don't... I don't think they want you to think about them too much today. Because today isn't really about them. It's not about how good they are. It's about how good God is. That's really what we're proclaiming today. Today's the day where our brothers and sisters declare that they have received a gift with open hands. That's what they've done. A gift from our generous and merciful God. And this is a gift available to all of us. Maybe God is moving in your heart today that you want to take a step closer to holding out your hands and accepting this gift. We'd love to help you if that's the case. You can fill out a little Connect card later on in the service and we'd love to get in touch and help you with that. My friends, as we talk about how good this is and how much of a difference this makes in our life, don't take my word for it, okay? Because we're going to hear some real stories of real change today and I'm going to be inviting our, testimony, our baptism candidates up to give their testimonies now. And I want you, they're really nervous, okay? So I want you to give a really big, warm church welcome as I invite them. The first one, person we're going to invite up is Kristen. Please welcome 